Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Keith Foster. I write the comics Animals, Kadoja, and Three Protectors. And I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift, Wanders Melisanda, Paradise Hills, and Granite. Wow. So many things. So many. So many. So, so much IP, my man. So much IP. Um, but... What are you drinking? That's the big question. The big, you know, f- like, fuck all this other shit. Like, fuck what you've done, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's about what you're drinking. What are you drinking? You know, the holidays cleared out my fridge, and I had one thing in there. And the style of beer is not necessarily my favorite type of beer anymore, so it's been on hold. And the reason why it was bought in the first place was strictly the can. I love the can. It was... One of the things that made me love comic books and cartoons and like a great influence in my life, and it's a book I still love today, and it's a cartoon that I still love today. Um, the beer itself is Brewery X Heroes in a Full Pint Tumble Time West Coast IPA. It is a 7%, and it is the fourth anniversary. So I'm showing Keith now. It is a Ninja Turtle-themed can, and that is why I bought it. I was just like, well, I have to get it because of the can. That's just just what it is. So it's been sitting in there for about a month or so, and I was like, okay, number one, I'm out of other beers <laughs> that are cold. I just realized it. I was like, oh, shit. We, we went to a couple of family parties and brought beer each time. I didn't realize I basically drained my entire stock out of the fridge except for this. So uh, tackling this one today, I got a couple more in there and it's going to be interesting because next time we record, it's going to be for like a February episode and I'm going to have Christmas beer. So, you know, that's going to be weird, but it is what it is. How about you? What'd you get? Uh, I, I, uh, I happen to be around my coveted favorite beer store of the area a couple days ago, which is High Time Liquor in Costa Mesa. So that's, you know, it's a good solid hour drive even without traffic for me. But sometimes I'm around the area and uh, and I was there in the area. So I went there and I just tried some new stuff that looked interesting. Um, I got Radiant Beer Company Times Firestone Walker collaboration beer. It's called S'more Blanket Pastry Ooh. Stout. S'more Blanket. And as you can expect, it is a stout brewed with marshmallows, with graham cracker, cacao nibs, and vanilla beans added. And longtime listeners of the podcast will know that nibs are the nipples. Mm-hmm. So, uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, we're we're ready to get on that. And again, we got we got a whole lot of things going on that you would think I like. So pastry stout, uh, s'mores. So there should be a sweet thing to it. Eleven percent alcohol, friend. So that one's 11%, and uh, I have 17 ounces of it. So so we're going to get crunk. And don't forget, the nipples. The nibs. Yeah, of it's course. Great. Oh, yeah. That's great. That's, you you, yeah. you got to list that as one of your favorite things. That's just how it goes. <laughs> when the dog bites, when the bee stings, I simply remember nipples. And then I don't feel so bad. That's, uh, Julie Andrews said that. I'm pretty, that's exactly, exactly how it was saying. Word, verbatim. Word original, word. original director's cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you know. We got through our beers. We're, we're going to get some drinking down. But what was your first thing you did this week? Uh, I finished Granite Part 2. So yeah. I was stuck on, I think, like I had two pages left last time we talked. And it was because we had laid out a story. Ed, Ed had a story finished. And I was working on it during our retreat. 
And so I laid those pages out and I was, you noticed that they were basically the only two pages I hadn't worked on. And you're like, oh, so, you know, what's going on with that? And I was just like, yeah, you know, I was hemming and hawing about it. And so you're basically, well, hey, that's a lot of real estate for something you're not interested in telling, you know, and, and so I, I found that to be a good point. And I talked to Ed and he came up with a great solution. And I was just like, yeah, I like that. You know, I was just like, well, what else? Is there something else we can do here? Can you think of anything? Because if he said he couldn't think of it, I was just going to draw those pages. That, that was what was going to happen. I was like, it makes sense in the story. I'm just not excited about it. And I don't know that we necessarily need to see it. Um, you know, and that was actually your point uh, during the retreat was, do we need to see it? Or can you just mention, and I was like, yeah, I can easily write a couple of word bubbles that explain all of this without actually visually having to see it. So, uh, but thankfully, thankfully I, I ran that by Ed and he came up with something pretty fast actually. So, uh, that was super awesome. And I was like, Hey, I like that. That works perfect. Let's do it. So over this Chris or over the holidays, I was able to knock those out relatively fast and uh, yeah, once once I got the layouts for them and the idea, I was really jamming on it. And you know, it had one, one or two pretty involved panels. And so I would say those are the things that slowed me down the most. But then those were one of the first things that I tackled. I was like, I'm in the mood to figure out complex shit. You know, I have the time right now, and that's what I need to do. Once I get past these, the rest of the pages will flow and they'll be done. You know, post haste. There's a lot to like in there you know, from, from me as I was listening to what you were just saying. Number one, you were listening to me. That's 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 a lot to like. Yeah. <laughs> People paying attention is always nice. But, you know, it's it's one thing to give a note. And and I think you're you've you've done this enough. Anyone who's given notes enough understands the Jeet Kune Do thing. You take what is useful. You leave what is useless, because if you as a reader or an editor get get possession on your notes you're no better than the creator that's getting too possessive on their creations right like i'm giving you the note you do whatever you want with it if it resonates with you then by all means write it you know if not no big deal so for me i always take a little bit of joy when i find out somehow that palpatine returned right but not only that palpatine returned but that the person liked the note enough to incorporate it so so you know that that's cool to hear but it's it's cool to hear not because of my ego but because like i thought it was a pretty reasonable note and totally. it's cool to hear that you worked that in right yeah cuz like 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 we were talking about i mean it's a six page story the real estate is very precious in a six page story why why spend it on something you don't want to do mm-hmm. right so yeah um, that that yeah, note too it really helped flesh out the panel work and the story structure on what was going on. And, you know, when I laid it out initially, I was fine with it. And then as I was doing it and I had, I had come up with a solution for a panel that I was not excited to draw. And it was like a giant silhouette and I thought it was good. And when I was going over this page and I'm like, well, okay, this is where, you know, it was the pages I didn't want to do were flashback pages essentially. And I was like, okay, so where did they leave off? And where do they jump back in after that flashback page? And I was like, well, shit, I don't know that that makes sense. Like, I don't know if the storytelling is overly clear. And with getting the note, it kind of allowed me to go, well, I have to do this first panel. uh, Absolutely. Like, that was one thing that couldn't change. Like, 
in the page that I laid out, there was one panel that couldn't change. It needed to happen because then it was continued onto the page that I had already finished. So, but I was able to flesh that out more knowing that half of the real estate wasn't going to a flashback. And so I was like, okay, this, this actually works out really well. I'm, I'm able to tell this part of the story and it'll be way more clear for the readers to, to understand what's going on. So yeah, having that little note kind of released me from, you know, being a slave to the first draft. And like, and that's not something that Ed would be overly precious about either. And that's, that's another thing, you know, working with Ed, that's really great is he isn't precious about it. You know, it's just like, yeah, he'll take the note and he'll adjust it. You know, it's just like, okay, well, what else can we do? And, and like, you know, that's also kind of part of the fun, you know, when you're doing these books, it's like, okay, I've run into a problem. What do I do here? How do I get out of this jam? How do we get the characters where they need to be? And how do we get the story to make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the, I'm, I'm still, these sidetracks are so interesting. I got to remember my North star for the other thing that I wanted to say, but I want to stay on this, which is not being precious is so important. We, we've probably mentioned this in the course of the three years that have come before this, but I can't stress enough how helpful it is and how important it is for you to not be precious. It's okay to be precious about certain things that are key. It, how about this? It's okay to, def to be ready to defend the things that you think have value. But you definitely shouldn't be precious about your stuff. You know, when you're giving stuff away for notes or when you're collaborating with someone, by all means, please... Make yourself open to that stuff. Cherish it. Cherish the feedback. The feedback is a gift. And, and you know, you may have heard me talk about this in a different context with all of the notes I'm getting back from agents that are saying no. There's no feedback. You know, the, the, the famous adages about writers for the last 70, 80 years, I mean, Stephen King talks about this in On Writing. Anybody who talks about writing for some length of time that's actually published right now will talk about how they'd get notes back from editors and it would be, this is close, but dot, dot, dot. That does not happen anymore. Right. You just get a yes or a no. You don't get feedback from anyone. So use these peer groups, you know, use the editors you're paying for, whatever, and really cherish that feedback because you're not going to get it anywhere else. It's just going to be a yes, no response from the people in the, you know, in the places of power that you are sending off your stories, your comics, your novels, whatever. So again, don't be precious, cherish the feedback. It's, it's super helpful. Yeah. I think Todd McFarlane's talked about that as well. Like I think he's very famously known for getting you know, it, it made me hyperbolic or something like that, like 300 uh, rejections. And I think he talked about how they were like, hey, you need to work on this type of thing. And I really wish that stuff was still around as well. Like when when you do submit your books to companies, it's just like, well, why didn't they want the book? You know, like that type of thing. I haven't submitted my books in years, but I remember when I first sent them out, it's just like, hey, if you don't hear back from us in a couple of months, it means no. And it's just like, Okay, understandable, but also not helpful. You know, you, you don't get that information and that stuff's really, really important. Um, I remember going early on, like in my early 20s, to get some portfolio reviews. 
And I did get, well, I, th I think it was a DC editor, possibly. I can't remember who I spoke with, but they really liked my character work. But they're like, you need work on your backgrounds. Like, your, your characters are good. We like your, I like your characters. You, you need to work on your backgrounds. Okay, cool. All right, that's that's an important note, you know, and, and you go, okay, it gives me something to strive to, you know, something to correct and, and know what's working and what's not working. And that's always tough. And, you know, like when young artists talk to me, and they want to know where they need the help. You know, like I make sure to give them the good stuff up front. It's like, hey, I think you're really good at this stuff. Keep doing this stuff. This stuff works. Here's the things that aren't working. And, you know, the hope is there was enough sugar, you know, on this lemon for you to kind of like deal with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and like that, because that's what I prefer. I like to know hey, am I wasting my time or is there is there some hope here? Is there something that you see that makes you go, this is worth the effort. You keep trying. If you fix these things, then you'll be good to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, so I now that now that we're through with that, let me get back to the other thing I wanted to mention, which is um, for whatever reason, when you were talking earlier about, you know, the feedback channel um, with Granite number two with Ed, it made me think of something. I can't remember if I've shared this on the podcast before, but it was something that my novel instructor one time I, 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 I had a submission and um, I got the note back and I'm reading the, the, the line edits on it. And he he does an arrow at one thing, and he put, "Do better." <laughs> yeah, I think you've Do told better. me this before. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that that then got later shortened to DB, which I was because the then the second time I got, it, I was like, "DB, what the fuck does DB mean?" And then I was like, "It means do better." Right, <laughs> right. And uh, so sometimes that's going to be your note too. You know, it, it's part of the fun of feedback and. You know, for, for those of you out there that might be listening and you might be like, oh, my God, what what the hell kind of feedback is that? Every time I get it, I'm always like, he's right. I can do better. Mm -hmm. Right. Like they give the do better note because they know you can do better. And uh, and, you know, it's it's something that we do when the opportunity presents itself in the writers that I still take workshops with. Right. And it's it's you know, you're saying a lot with do better. But what you're really saying is I think you can do better than what you gave me here. And, and let's have this level of writing, of art, of whatever, um, rise to the level that we know you can write every single sentence of your life at. And this one, you kind of took a sentence off there. So so let's have you get right back to your usual level of quality, right? So so fun stuff. Yeah, your, your instructors or, or whoever's proofreading these, if they're on a higher enough level, they, they see it. You know, they, they see the quality of the rest of your work and they get to this one piece and it's just like, eh. Took a day off, huh? Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, make sure yep. you fix, fix that next time around. You know, and going back to, uh, to being precious about certain things that you're working on. I was listening to a podcast earlier. It's a uh, Blocks uh, with, um, who was on? Eric Andre was on it. And he was talking about how they were doing either a movie or a TV show. He's always, he's always involved in something, right? <clears throat> and he was saying that when he gets to the editing part of it when you when you get into the film room and you start chopping stuff up you leave stuff on the floor stuff you keep he remembers like shooting every scene and remembers the scenes especially that he fought for where other people are like we don't really need to do that you don't need to do that and he you know he's like i'm not a overly confrontational person and he goes but i was basically screaming that these need to be done and we need to do these and they need to be in there. And then when we get to the cut of it, 
and we do um, uh, uh, test screenings, those get the biggest reactions. And those are the ones that like are the biggest wins for him. And he also knows that if he didn't fight for it and he just put something subpar that just got a whatever reaction, he has to live with that final cut for the rest of his life because it exists. It exists on film. In our case, it exists on page. So, you know, there is stuff that you can be precious with. If you truly believe in a particular part of the story, a scene, something you wanted to draw, if you believe in it that much, then keep it in because then you have to deal with oh, I just gave up and I cut it out and I think it would have better been a better scene than this. So, you know, there are certain things that you should fight for, but you also have to kind of look at it objectively and see, like, is it getting the right reaction? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, and this is, this, like, what we do is basically guided by the reaction of the fans, you know? Like, you, you need to make sure that you're getting the proper reaction from it. And if you're not getting that, then maybe it was the wrong choice. But, you know... Who knows? You learn from it, you move on. But, you know, again, if you feel that strongly about it, fight for it. If you're okay with letting it go and they say, you don't really need this, let it go. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and, and because you keep saying interesting stuff, I'm going to stay right here. And I did not expect this person to linger and and, uh, and hang around into 2024. 20, but God damn it, here he is. Um, Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin, uh, you know, we, we've talked enough about Rick Rubin last year because of the book he did, The Creative Act. And it was kind of funny because I think on the year end episode or something, you know, Gary was talking about how much he liked the book. And when he set up Rick Rubin, he's like, oh, he's a big producer. I know him from, you know, whatever. And it's like, so for me, Rick Rubin was a god you know, probably about like I, I was on the Rick Rubin is amazing bandwagon. I like to think a lot earlier than most. And that is because he was one of the co-founders of Jet Def Jam, which informed so uh -huh. much of my childhood. Um, he also, in addition to the Def Jam records, he also produced the first couple run DMC records. Oh, no way. He produced he produced License to Ill by the Beastie Boys. And he. So let's let's do six degrees of Rick Rubin here. On No Sleep Till Brooklyn, the person who does the guitar solo is da -da 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 -da, Carrie King of Slayer. Oh, wow. Rick Rubin produced Raining Blood. And, and so when he branched out from hip hop and started to go elsewhere, his first big band was Slayer. Rick Rubin in in uh, there's a couple books on Slayer that I've read, and uh, and one of them is about the making of of Rain and Blood, and apparently something Rick Rubin would say a lot when he was giving advice, because you know he was giving some typical advice to Slayer on stuff, and then the guys in Slayer were like, I, I, we see what you're saying, but no, we here's what we want out of this record, and here's what we want, and Rick Rubin uh, shrugged shrugged his shoulders and went, and, and not in a defeatist way, he just said, it's your career, yeah, straight up, you know, like. That's what a producer is supposed to do. That's what the feedback is supposed to do. That's what you as the artist are supposed to do. So in a lot of ways, we are just sort of painting, you know, we're weaving additional threads in this tapestry of appreciating the feedback, knowing when it's time to stand up for what you believe in and knowing when it's time to, to just hit that thing that's yours and fight for it. Right. So, yeah. again, it's all part of the creative process. The intro to Altar of Sacrifice for... However long that is, what's that? Three seconds, four seconds. The guitars are reverbed. Okay, 
for those of you that don't follow music, just understand that reverb is an effect that kind of makes things seem a little more echoey and watery. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're in the studio and Jeff, the late great Jeff Hahnemann uh, says, we want to do reverb on the beginning of this, of this song. And Rick Rubin's like, no reverb. And then Jeff Hahnemann's like, dude, it, I think it sounds good with reverb. We think it sounds good with reverb. Let's just put the reverb on. And Rick Rubin's like, I don't do reverb. Reverb sucks. And then Jeff Hahnemann's like, look, can we just try it? Rick Rubin's gets out a piece of paper. He draws this whole thing. And he says, here's why I don't like reverb. Because, and he draws this diagram on like sound waves and stuff. And like what reverb does is it weakens the sound waves. And what I like doing in all of my stuff is presenting the music as raw and as unaffected as possible, which is true. It's a very Rick Rubin staple, right? Uh, so he's like, it, it, it's going to weaken the sound. It sucks. Jeff Hahnemann says, can we just try it? Fine, we'll try it. They run the guitar that opening three seconds through reverb. They sit there. They hit stop. Rick Rubin takes his piece of paper, crumples it up in a ball, and throws it in the garbage. Nice. I love that. You I just, just love you that just story know. So you got to know when you're wrong and accept it and, and yeah. you know, move on from it. Yeah. Yeah, so great. So great. So anyway, so it's like, you know, yes, all your theory works, but like, God damn it, if the intro doesn't sound better with a little reverb on it. So again, in a way that ties to what we're talking about, this give and take between feedback and artist and the person giving the feedback and the person who has to live with it for the rest of their life. Yeah. And like, that's a great lesson in, into itself, unto itself. It's that's a win for him. You know, if, if like I have this theory, I like I have this thing that I like with my music that I produce. Well, you prove me wrong. Cool. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as you can accept that, you know, like that's knowing, oh, this shit's actually good. You know, there's mm-hmm. a certain style of art I like. And then when I see something outside of that style, I'm like, I know good art when I see it. This may not be my normal taste, but I know good art when I see it. And this is it, you know? So that was my first thing. That was your first thing. That was your first thing. But that's okay. When when we get into my my stuff, we'll see that my stuff is a lot more tactical now. And uh, and the first thing I did this week was I lettered Kadoja Symphony of Madness Volume Three. Nice. Now I had I had had a down period. Um, so be- between the times we've recorded, um, I just there was a three or four day period where I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna just gonna relax. I'm not I'm not gonna try to do anything. If something comes to me, great. But if not, then I'm just going to ramp down because I could f- I could feel that I needed that ramping down. So sure enough, and, and what I did was on the final day, I was starting to get, you know, let's call it day three. I was starting to be like, I don't know, man, should I do something? And then I, I said, no, Keith, as Keith, I am forcing you to take the rest of the day off. You can wake up tomorrow and you can get back into it. But today you take the rest of it off. So I do that. Come back, so I, I I then start lettering again, and uh, and I had just said my usual two pages a day, you know, etc. So if I had stuck to that, you know, because I took a few days where I just relaxed um, by sticking to the two pages a day, what I should have been up to was page sixteen of the book by by the time we were recording this. But that's not how it works because I finished. I finished lettering the book today, as a matter of fact, 
And uh, and so that was 21 pages. Kadoja Symphony of Madness number three is 21. And then I'll add a couple other extra pages at the end. But I was happy that, you know, I would get into spots and I'd say, no, no, I want to keep going because I'm just feeling the vibe and getting all the lettering done. So I think on its own, that's kind of a nice lesson. It's the old, you know, give me an hour to chop down a tree and I'll spend the first 50 minutes sharpening my axe. Taking those days off may have made me more productive. You know, it's it's hard to say. Um, but but the bottom line is I got every bit as much done had I worked every single day of the week as opposed to taking a few days off and then coming back with a really renewed energy to to make me smash on the lettering. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Like you you take that time off you, that you're not used to having. And I think your creative juices are <clears throat> they're bursting at the seams. They're not flat anymore. No, they are, they are so no. not flat. <laughs> they are. They are behind the damn wall. They're ready for the crack to happen and, and for all those things to run wild. And yeah, you know, like the theory, not the theory, the plan of two pages a day, like it's a good idea to keep you on pace, but it's like, it's not hard set. It doesn't have to be hard set. You know, you, you get those days. And I think we talked about this during uh, one of the holiday episodes was like, if, if everything's flowing, why would you stop? Why Why would mm-hmm. you can like, well, I said I'm only doing two, so I'm no longer going to stay on this flow. You know, it's just like if the mm-hmm. flow states there, then then ride it. You know, it's like it doesn't come every day. Some days mm-hmm. I'll be going through my pages and I'm like, this is a fucking slog. Why is this a slog today? And mm-hmm. you can keep working if you have a goal. You're like, well, it's only this much left. Let me just finish it. And, you know, you look at that the next day, the day after, you know, three days after, and you're like, that's pretty good. And so Mm -hmm. it doesn't, you know, like you can still get your work done and not be in the flow state. doesn't mean it's as fun, you know? And Mm -hmm. and so once that flow comes around, just ride that wave, man. And and it sounds like you did it. You knocked that thing out quickly. So that's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was great. I mean, as, as for the lettering itself, I'm trying to think if there's anything noteworthy to share there. I mean, I would say that I did some amount of rewriting, um, but, but I would go with somewhere around 10 to 20%. Most of the writing was pretty much done. And aside from maybe economizing some words or economizing two word balloons into one, um, I think it was, it was pretty, pretty close. Um, I'll go ahead and stay here because actually, no, I'll come back to this because this ties into my second thing, but it's going to get back to lettering. So no, I'm happy. I finished. And because I finished well ahead of schedule, um, that allows me, you know, like I have my own personal deadline on getting on sending Kadoja Symphony number three to the printer. And that's about, you know, second week of January, something like that. And so what this does is it gives me the flexibility to maybe do something that I've never done for one of the Kadojas, which is have a nice fun bonus page with letters and movie reviews and shit like that. So I hope to capitalize on that. And I, oh wait, yeah, I, I, I hope to capitalize on that and to get it to the printer within a few weeks. And, uh, and then we'll see what happens from there. Yeah, that's awesome. Heck yeah. Um, Okay, so your your first thing actually ties into my second thing. And, you know, something I wanted to mention about how quickly you burn through Kadoja Symphony of Madness number three is the fact that you know your characters so well. Like this mm-hmm. by this part in the story, you know when a line of dialogue is off for one of your characters. You know, mm-hmm. or like just just in general, it's like everyone is down really pat. So my second thing is trying to work on the first draft of Granite Part Two. I don't have this character down, Pat. 
this is a relatively new character. You know, I was talking with Ed today and he has paperwork going back to like 2018 is when mm-hmm. the character was created, you know, and like he has like his bio and stuff like that. And we were talking about it and I'm like, I was like, I was like, oh, wow, you have like a whole thing there. Um, you know, he, he likes to do those old school, like Marvel universe things where he puts like their a dossier. Yeah. He's like their heart, their height, their eye color, their hair color, all of that stuff. Right. Sure. And so he busted out a paper and he goes, oh yeah, look, this is from 2018. And it's just like, oh, cool. And, and so I was looking it over and I was just like, shit, like, I think he's going to do a better draft of this and I will, but I want it while I'm working on this first draft, it's like, I need to get all the information that I want conveyed and I think he might have a better uh, idea of this character's voice voice than I do. Because I, I relatively don't. I'm like, fuck, what does this guy sound like? Like, I'm not quite sure writing is hard. So <laughs> I'm I'm uh, attempting my first draft. I have a couple of paragraphs in and a rough dialogue for page one. So I got five more pages, well, five and a half more pages to go. This page one's not even done. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was something I started today. And I haven't gotten that much movement, but hey, it's the first draft. You just, you know, like Gary was talking about, just throw everything in the dirt and, you know, compost it up, see what, see what bears fruit. And, uh, you know, uh, I'll do my best, but then honestly, that's what Ed Ed is for. Ed's the farmer in this situation. And so, you know, (laughs) you're just taking a shit in the grass. Yeah. Yeah. I was the cow. So hopefully man, my man, is this going to be fertile land someday? Yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully my shit bears some fruit. So we'll see. <laughs> no, I hear you, man. I mean, that's that. It, look, it's all part of the process and oh boy, the beer must've hit because I had a thought and, uh, and the thought just escaped. Goddamn. Oh, I know what it was. It was that, um, I, I related to something you were saying there about th- you know, thinking your way through the character and understanding your character because something that I'm going through with animals, which we'll get to with my second thing, is that I'm, you know, with, with every additional page, and I've written the script, but there's a difference between writing it and lettering it. Hint, hint. We're going to get to that in my second thing. And um, it's so fun if, it, you know, like, I don't know. So Jack Bertrand, the sheriff in Animals, you know, she... Um, she, she's a character where I think I understand a lot of larger stuff about her. I couldn't tell you her height and eye color, but I could tell you what I wanted to do with her. Right. And, and what I wanted to do with her was to make her number one, sort of opposite a lot of the other characters that I've done. So I wanted to make her, um, uh, I wanted to have her not swear. That was a huge one for me. I wanted to have her not swear. And I also wanted to have her be um, a bit of like she's she's just a person who has like worked for everything in her whole life. And so she's the kind of person that seems simple on the exterior, but actually has these levels of depth to her. And um, and so issue two of animals, which, you know, I'm working my way through right now is really starting to show some of that depth. And like, I love that kind of thing. And, and, you know, that depth is on display in a couple key points in issue one, if you've read issue one, but, uh, but it's fun to just play with that stuff. So to your point, I think it's, it's fun to know your characters, but it's also fun to 
you know, even if you have the general character dialed into and you get to to funnel that general knowledge into something that you can pull out in a specific scene, it is so much fun to do. Right. So but so but it can also be maddening because you, you may be like, oh, wait a minute. I haven't really thought through this particular situation that my character would be in. Therefore, it's a blank slate. So now I just have to go on instinct here. You know, I have to know that the character smells like Old Spice and likes Doritos and, you know, like like loves old sitcoms how does that inform this particular thing which has nothing to do with any of those three right but might have something so i i totally get it it's fun discovery but can, it can also be a little frustrating at times yeah it's it's really bogging down the first page and you know since it is a six-page story and well it's a second part of a six-page story so it's like the readers are going to be jumped into the middle of something that is happening and so mm-hmm. a lot of exposition is going to be needed. And so it's just kind of like, all right, how do I deliver that? You know, like, how is the mm-hmm. character going to get all that information across? You know, and, and so that's part of, that's the harder part of the process. It's like, okay, how much of this is being delivered on the first page or spread all throughout six pages? And, you know, it's all based on what's happening per page. It's like, oh, can that even be conveyed on this page because of what's happening? So it's all mm-hmm. a balancing act and... It really is the complete first draft where I'm basically going to write everything that needs to be said in the story, and then we're going to mm-hmm. arrange it in, you know, how it needs to be put in, you know. And if stuff yep. needs to be cut and pasted on, like, you know, from page one to page four, then that's what needs to be done. And, uh, you know, it'll be up to Ed to fix all of my fucking mess. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it is what it is. What a what a great segue into my second thing. So my first thing informs your second thing, which informs my second thing, which is number one. Um, and Scott knows this because Scott and Gary, as well as Kevin and Mike, gave me some feedback on the art. But I got the first 10 pages of art back from Animals number two. And so it was great to see. You know, I, I know that it's interesting, right, because this artist is working in a very different way than my previous artists have, which is like five pages at a time or six pages at a time. You give me the pencils. I approve them. You, you know, you then give me the inks. I approve those. You then finish it and we're good here. It's like I gave him some basic stuff. I didn't hear from him for a very long time. And it's like, here's 10 fucking pages. It was like, holy shit. Wow. That, that escalated quickly. There was a man on a horse. There was a guy with a, I killed a guy. There was a person with a trident. Um, yeah. So yeah, it just, it, it, it happened very fast. You right. Might be in so trouble was, for that. <laughs> you might want to lay low for a while. Because you're probably while. wanted for murder. <laughs> right. So, uh, so yeah, it was, uh, it, it was fun to get him back. And you and Gary both gave me some great feedback. More importantly, you told me you, you liked it and you thought it looked really cool. And you thought that this artist just looks like a, you know, strong iteration, if not improvement of the artist in issue one, which was great to hear. Yeah, definitely. It it, it definitely has the vibes of issue one. And mm-hmm. honestly, I think fans, like just casual fans, casual comic book fans, if you didn't have credits on the first and second issue, I think they would be hard pressed to tell that the artist changed. And, you know, the second artist and what helps with that is the second artist, in my opinion, is improvement on the first artist. The first artist Mm -hmm. did some really good work, had some uh, definitely interesting choices, had like a Sienkiewicz vibe going on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel like that's a major influence on that first artist. And the second artist had a bit of that as well and saw what the first artist was doing 
and kind of was just like, oh, I can, I can build upon this. And, and so mm-hmm. to me, you know, if you didn't have credits, I think fans would go, oh yeah, he's just getting better because time has passed. You know what I mean? That's so, cool so yeah, that's, that's really cool. I like that he picked up on the vibe that the first artist really didn't seem to have a theme as to what characters would be painted and what would be sketchy. They kind of like mm-hmm. jumped around. And like, to yes. me, I, I found that intriguing. I'm like, that's a really interesting choice. And the mm-hmm. second artist picked up on that as well and just uh, carried that over. So it looks really good and looks yeah. consistent to me. Yeah, thanks, man. I mean, I appreciate it. And and Mike and Kevin then also uh, basically echoed the, the feedback that Scott and Gary had given. Um, so I, I want to pause here for a second and mention that the, there I got two very interesting bits of feedback, one which was from your boy Scott Lost, which is he noticed that the car was on the wrong side of the road in one of the panels. Yeah, like, so, it was like page one. That was very astute, very astute. So the, you know, like, I don't know how much work it would take to take that car and put it on the other side of the road. It might be too much work. So um, in the notes back to the artist, I have not heard back from him because I just gave the notes like yesterday. But I said, the other option is just get rid of the center line. <laughs> you know, like you could, you can also just get rid of the center line and have the car swerving to the left side of the road of a one lane road. And that that is acceptable, right? Yeah, I th- um, as opposed to driving on the left side of the road. I, th- I think I'm pretty sure he's working 100% digital. And mm-hmm. so the hope is that the car itself is on a separate layer than is a layer. the, the yeah, background, yeah. uh, the ground essentially. Yep. And so hopefully yep. that would be easy to move over. And if not Just grab and dr- yeah. drop and yeah, yeah, exactly. Grab Select and, 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 and move it over real quick, you know, and if that's not, yeah, removing the line might be the easiest thing get, for sure. Get rid of that line. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I, I found, which was interesting and, and um, I am going to spoil this because I think in a way it actually spoil, it works as a good teaser, which is there's a, there's a panel that has a severed head of an animal. And Mike's note was if the severed, like the severed head would not shoot directly off into space, like the nose of a spaceship, it would actually spin. Yeah. So the head should be spinning. And so I was like, that's a great note. So I, I shared that note as well. So yeah. a couple of very minor notes and I've shared them with the artist and uh, hopefully I get them back. But um, to kind of turn this, you know, these couple things I did into two main topics, um, as I sort of hinted at, I then, because I had worked ahead on Kadoja, I decided to do something I haven't done in a while, which is just like go ahead and start lettering the pages I get back as I get them. And so I've lettered the first two pages of Animals Number Two. And since I'm just lettering and I got to do it anyway, I might as well letter as I get the pages. Instead, like, why am I waiting to get all the pages of the issue to do it? I'll just do it as they come in. So I started doing that, and uh, and I mentioned in the Kadoja part that there wasn't that much editing going on. You know, 80% similar to the original script. Animals, 50% similar to the original oh. script. And uh, and some of that is because I have improved on the script and I've found more interesting things to say in the space allotted. And the other reason is that the artist did not draw panel for panel. Like there were pages where I said five panels and he gave me three. Now... The interesting thing about getting those panels back, the way that I work with my artists is I give you stuff, you give it back to me, and then I just look at it and ask myself, is it cool? And if it's cool, then I'll fucking figure out how to do stuff with it. And so in the in the cases I've come to so far where the artists trim panels, 
I agree with the decision. I see why he did what he did. And I am more than okay rewriting the dialogue so it works. You know, there, if anything, the hardest part about the the hardest particular part about dialogue on this one page I was just working on today was the first character that speaks is actually on the right side of the panel as opposed to the left side of the panel, which makes it a little goofier. So what did I do? I cut their dialogue and then I had the first character speaking be the one on the left side of the panel and had the conversation flow that way. So that's the advantage to being a writer and to lettering your own shit. You can just redo the dialogue so it fits whatever you're doing instead of a person saying, you know, like, let's say the person on the right side of the page said, I'm having thought I'm having second thoughts about the Philadelphia Eagles. Right, to you is an obvious example, which, by the way, I am, I am having second thoughts about the Philadelphia Eagles. But um, because we're taping this a little in advance, right? So by, by now, the team's probably fucking eliminated from the playoffs for all I know. But by them moving to the right side of the page, I don't want that to be the first bubble. So you can just have the first character, the one on the left, say, so you're having second thoughts about the Philadelphia Eagles. Right. And now you're good. And now you just get to reword some things and go from there, right? So I only say that as a clumsy example because you're never really trapped. There are some cases where you might be especially trapped, but odds are you can probably reword your way out of a whole lot of art things. And that's why it's so great to be someone who is both the writer and lettering your own stuff because you can just rewrite it however you want as you go along. So what was your th- what was your third thing? Matt? Okay, so my third thing, super fast. Uh, previously, we had I had followed up with you guys about working with this very young, I believe, uh, sensitive artist, and yeah. I followed back up. I gave it about four days. I said, you know what? He keeps posting up stuff, other commissions that he's doing. He's clearly not working on my piece, and some time's gone by. Fuck it, you know, three four days is fine. I said, hey, I uh, just wanted to follow back up. Did my did my request hurt your feelings? No response. <laughs> read it. Read it like fifteen minutes later or something like that. I just, I like, I was online and I was just like, I was uh, checking some some of my private messages and then I had seen it said seen, you know, at whatever whatever time it was. And so yeah, yeah God's feelings hurt. And so he he didn't want to respond and you know it's just like I'm cool. You know, like, I like I like your stuff just fine. I thought it was worth what you were charging for commissions. It was worth it. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll totally pay that. It's going to be a, you know, whatever. It'll be a nice little piece to own. But then after I, you know, after not hearing back from them and just like the childish action of it, it's just like, your work's not that good. Like, it's not, mm-hmm. I'm not willing to beg you for this cover. It's just like, right. it's cool, man. It's all good. Like, you're... You're clearly aping another artist, and and that's cool. I like that artist, and and that's what your work appealed to me for. But I don't need to have, you know, th- that on my book. It's not that big of a deal. If anything, I'll I'll just do the cover myself. You know, it's just like I kind of had a better pose than he had. Like his, you know, he kind of has like these set poses that he does, and he'll he'll kind of modify them a little bit, um, mm-hmm. just based off of other poses of the same artist. And I'm like, okay, I see what he's doing. And like, again, for the price, worth it. Yeah, I, I think people will dig this. But at the same time, uh, I have a little more range. So I think I will just do my version of it and, and see how that goes. Yeah, so um, yeah. So that was the third thing. So no more. You, I, you, I, mad, you mad, bro? Yeah, right? Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that was the other option. 
<laughs> of writing. Um, so, but yeah, I was just like, okay, well, hey, you know, for me, no harm, no foul. I didn't pay you any money. You're not taking money and running. So yeah. if any, if anything, he ate up some of his time and it's just like, dude, you must clearly have never done cover work for anyone because you don't know how to respond to simple uh, requests. And it's just mm-hmm. like, it is what it is. And, and honestly, I don't, I don't have time for it. So yeah, um, sounds, sounds like you've carved out a nice little niche for yourself that you never want to escape from. Yeah. It's it, Hey, if that's what you want to do more power to you. Absolutely. All good. I, yep. All good on this end. Don't worry about it. Um, I was just like, okay, well you're unfollowed. I'm not going to follow your work yeah, anymore. Yeah. It's just, it's going to be yeah. an annoyance to me. If anything, it's not like me being petty or anything. It's just like, no, well, I don't, I see how you work or, or how yeah. you don't work. So it's just like, well, I don't really appreciate that. So I don't really need to see yeah. your art anymore. Um, totally. Yeah. Okay. And then, so the uh, next thing you had mentioned wanting to get Kadoja volume or issue volume four, issue three out in like the mm-hmm. next month or so. I actually, it reminded me, I had another thing. Astounding Adventures number one came in. So I oh, got okay. it, I think, two days after we recorded last time. Mm-hmm. So the books are here. They look great. Unfortunately, during the mailing, whoever uh, FedEx dropped off the box, they fucked up the corner of a decent chunk of the books. So that kind of sucked. And so everything's kind of, and the thing that got fucked up were the variant covers. Oh, God. And it's just like, Jeez, man, like, like people are paying a premium for these covers. I don't want to send them damaged covers. And so yeah. I managed to squeak out just enough for the order for like my cover specifically. It had more backing to it than I realized. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, fuck, this is going to be tight. I might need to reorder some more of this cover. But I think it's to the point where I was like, this one isn't bad. Like, and if they complain about it, like, I'll send them another book. You know, but like, I think I'm like, this is serviceable. Like, I I don't think people will complain about this, but hey, we'll see. You never know. Uh, But beyond that, they look great. My printer gave me a badass Christmas present. He he had asked for something. Um, I was like, followed up with him. I said, hey, are you going to have the books to me by this date? Right. And he goes, yes. Hey, send me this. I don't know if I had mentioned this on the pod last week, um, but he's like, send me a file where you black out the characters. Like it has a background, you black out the characters. I said, okay, cool. So I've done that before with other printers and I've done it with him as well on like a Wanderers variant. And so what showed up in the mail was this awesome Astounding Adventures number one with a thick ass, like clear plastic, I would say um, maybe half of an inch to a quarter of an inch thick with characters, uh, two of the characters like embossed on top of it. Oh, nice. Yeah. It, it's super awesome. He just like hooked it up. He goes, Hey, you got it. You got an awesome Christmas present coming. I was like, dude, sick. And when it came in the mail, I was like, Oh shit, this is awesome. It's one of a kind. Mm. Um, I don't, yeah. You know, I don't think I'm going to have any of them made, but it's definitely cool for me to have in my personal collection. And so, yeah. yeah. Um, But then anyway, you have to show it to me. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And then uh, I just text Travis today and we're going to coordinate a time where we're going to mail out the books next week. So uh, because I got all the shit here, I got all the books, I got the Gemini mailers. He actually has a program that he uses where he can do media mail and print them from home. So I don't have to wait in line with you know, 70 books 
and getting mm-hmm. media mail for all of them and then them questioning me what's in them you know it's just like yeah i yeah. can't i can't stand that i can't stand when the person that works there is just a little too overzealous about their job oh, it's just God, like god yes dude just ask the fucking question and i give you the correct answer then move on from it if you want to search right. it after i leave that's fine don't drill me for it just like yep. just just ask me what it is i'll tell you what I, what's in it and we let's move on you know Yep, there is a look. I'm not going to name the person. I'm not naming the post office, but there's a person at one of my local post offices that they don't do it because they're overzealous. They do it because I think they hate their job and they want to be as big of a jerk as possible. So, yes, like it got to the point where when I would send something media mail, like the, the exchange would keep on escalating. And and I remember that like the final exchange basically was something like, yeah, I'm sending these media mail. Do you have any notes, personal items, cards, or, you know, whatever the fuck their stupid crap is, Mm -hmm. right, in there? Why would I do that? (laughs) That's what I said. And And then the person was like, well, you know, we can open them if we're suspicious. And I'm like, you can do whatever you want. Just make sure you pack them up as nicely as I did. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like and then and then so now what I think is funny is I I am of the opinion that when that person sees me in line, they fiddle with their shit. Even if I'm next, they will fiddle with their shit so that someone else helps me before they do. So anyway, and, and then Good. I hear them doing the stuff to, and it's like, you know what, dude? Just quit. Just quit. Right. If you hate your job that much, just quit, please. Or, or I don't know, sort out sort out your fucking life. How about that? Yeah, you know, exactly, don't, exactly. It, if you want to harass people because your life's miserable, then do it yeah. with a smile on your face. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, exactly. And then the fact exactly. that you said what you said to her, yeah. and now she doesn't want to deal with you, yeah. you're lucky. I wish the person at my post office that does that would avoid getting me because I want to avoid getting her at all costs because everyone else there besides this one lady gives me like, you know, like everyone else is just like media mail. Okay. Yeah, exactly. That's the exactly. extent of our conversation. And, and they move the fuck yeah. on because guess what? They get paid just the same. It doesn't matter. You know, like, yeah, just, just do, just do it. And let's just fucking move on for this. Unless you're going for yeah. a promotion or something and you want to be the superstar yep. of the year. Like, exactly. You know, whatever. Just, just, I don't know. Do it on your exactly. own time. I, don't actually, waste my time. And now it. that, and now that I thought about it, I might even have a better one than that, which is why don't you open it up right now so I can watch you put it back? like (laughs) yeah now what (laughs) right so anyway um but yeah and and again keep in mind this is scott and i it's just a function of getting this question over and over by people that are either overzealous or just hate their job you know and it's like oh anyway it's an annoyance uh, for sure it is it is it is um and i got one more thing one more thing my last thing uh second shift uh doorways is complete art-wise, color-wise. It is complete. Joaquin sent me the last pages over the holidays. So they came in. They look awesome. I'm really excited about the book. And so soon as the Granite Part 2 is complete, then I can potentially start looking into putting together uh, the Kickstarter for Second Shift Doorways and getting that underway trying to enlist some help if possible and uh, see see where that goes so that's the beginning of my year is uh, working on that so it's all moving along nicely the co- colors came in quick joaquin said he didn't think he was able 
to finish by the end of the month, but he did. So that's really awesome. He able got the, he got the book done by the end of 2023 and um you know, then I settled up with him. He had done Paradise Hills, some covers, some pinups, and then this book. And so it was a nice chunk of change out of my bank account, which sucks. But hey, that's all part of the gig, right? Yeah. I mean, then you do the Kickstarter and it comes right back, right? So, exactly. So all good. All good. All right. So let's get to our main topic. I know we've been having a, a, a really cool conversation on some various topics, but I don't expect this main topic to take too long because... Unlike a lot of our other main topics, I don't know if Scott and I really have answers for you. It's really more about questions and stuff that I know personally I'm going to try based on some some knowledge I've gotten. And what we're going to talk about is leveling up. And, and the reason I wanted this to be the main topic tonight is because, or this morning actually, if you're downloading this the moment it comes out, or if you're overseas... And you downloaded it like, you know, fucking Sunday night at 8 a.m. or whatever the hell you do, you know, like more power to you, man. I appreciate it. Or if you're on Blargon 4, which has a different set of time and space rules. Those Blargons. Yeah. Time plus space plus beer equals. (laughs) Equals dumbass. A dumbass continuum. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the dumbass continuum. That'd be a great idea for a comic, actually. The dumbass continuum. It'd be like <laughs> idiocracy, but like galactic. <laughs> if we had anyway. uh, titles to our show that was based off of shit we said during the pod, that would probably be the title of this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Right, exactly. Exactly. So, um, so what we want to talk about is this idea of leveling up and how you do it. And, and you know, when we talked about our stuff for 2024... You know, Scott, I had I had hinted at this when we were hanging out on the creator retreat way back and when we were doing all this other stuff, um, you know, just randomly kicking it and things like that. The biggest thing that I think I'm going to do in 2024 is not a deliverable. It, it's that despite the fact that I have a fair amount of things going on, I want 2024 to be the year where I expand the size of my fishbowl head. You know, to use this analogy that Scott used a long time ago, right? Like the knowledge that you have is like a a fishbowl in your head, on your head, for your head, whatever. And 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 through understanding the craft and driving yourself, you can turn that into an aquarium, right? Or a large aquarium. And then before you know it, you've got a fucking city size aquarium tottering yes. around on your Shamu head, right? tank on your dome. Goddamn shampoo take on the dome. That would totally be the episode <laughs> title. <laughs> a goddamn shampoo tank on your dome. <laughs> anyway, um, and and the you know so that's that's the big thing that I actually want to do this year. I want to level up. I want to take this. I want to do my best to take this time where I am not holding myself to produce a whole lot of new things and just try to make myself better at what I do. Well, so how do you do that? Shit, I wish I knew, but I know, but I know what I'm trying, and what and the things I'm going to try are as follows. So what what I'm going to do is I'm just going to lay out the things that I'm going to approach, and and see how they do, and you know I'll check in later in the year and see how it goes. Um, the most important thing I'm going to do is read as much as possible. I. I Look, in in 2023, I read, I think, 42 books, something like that, which is pretty much on my average. I read a ton of comics, but I want to I'm not saying I want to read more. 
but I want to read with intent now. And we've talked about this, I think, in some recent episodes in the past. What I'm planning on doing is just taking, even if it's 15 minutes a day, just something reasonable. Sit down with a book I like or with a comic I like and make notes about it. Here's a book I like. What do I like about this book? Well, I like the characterization. Okay, let's unpack the characterization. Take a couple paragraphs that are describing this character. What is this person doing? What words are they using? What things are they describing? You know, are they describing height, weight, eye color? Or are they describing things that are like these wonderful, you know, insights into the character? Everything can work, right? Like, it, it doesn't matter. I don't know what the answer is. Um, and maybe height, weight, and eye color are a wonderful insight into the character, you know, depending on the height, weight, and the eye color. So that that aware unpacking of the stuff you like, I think, is one way to definitely go about it. And I think the key there is something you like and something you know. Because reading something you've never read before and then trying to unpack it... I don't think is anywhere near as useful as unpacking something that you already know you love and that ideally you have a really strong working knowledge of where I like I can just pull American Gods from the shelf or I can pull the Call of Cthulhu from the shelf and I can just unpack that as two examples and just say, I know this, I love this, but why do I love it? And then dial into whatever that thing is. So that's going to be the first thing I do in terms of just this conscious, again, 15 minutes a day. If I want to go more, great, but like just a minimal commitment that's going to pay off a lot because, you know, if, if I had to guess, you know, 15 minutes a day, I mean, that's going to be an hour every four days. That's hours of craft a year where I'm just trying to make myself better through absorbing the superior craft of others, right? So that's one thing. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. That's a very achievable goal. So if you guys wanted to take something on like this, I think that's a great plan. Just set these minimum goals for you to do. Something I I did, I've, I've mentioned before, I love the Invincible comic book. And a while back, what I did was I went through an issue. And I was like, what is the formula of this? Like, how is he doing this? What makes Robert Kirkman's book so interesting to me? And I wrote down what was happening on the page. Okay, page one, what's going on? A fight scene, start of a fight. Page two, three, double page spread, fight scene. You know, uh, page page four, fight scene's over. Page five, Mark is back at home talking to his parents about what? You know, so it was just a Mm -hmm. matter of dissecting the book and figuring out how he's doing it and figuring out the pacing. And... That was something I didn't really continue with uh, just because, number one, I wasn't as fast back then. And I think dissecting that stuff, and I wasn't as involved with plotting the entire issue as much as I am now. Like, uh, I'm more involved in the plotting than I, than I ever have been. You know, like, there are scene, there are instances where Ed does the primary plotting. Like, uh, issue 13, Ed, Ed plotted himself. And, but like the Drawtober stuff, like I'm, I'm doing the plotting on all of those, these short stories, I'm doing all the plotting of those. So, uh, for the most part, Ed just did Granite number two, but I think that has also helped me level up personally. The more you understand about the comic form and how things work, I think it affects your overall product, your, your overall capability when it comes to creating comics. So, I mean, I don't know how many of you guys out there are into fitness or anything like that, but 
they tell you never skip leg day. Mm-hmm. It, your body, your overall body won't grow to a certain extent if you never do legs. They always say always do legs. It helps your overall physique. You just So you have to work every part of the system to really understand it and kind of grow the knowledge of comic books, if, especially if you're doing independent books and you're putting all these out yourself. You really need to understand how the whole thing works. And, you know, you may not necessarily do those things like Keith as a writer. He's not drawing the pages, but he understands how it works. He's been doing this long enough where, oh, you have to have a close-up. You have a long-distance shot. You have to have this establishing shot. Like, he understands all of those things, and he understands how to put that to an artist and not give him multiple actions in one panel from one character that doesn't work you can have the one character do something and you can have two people in the background do something yeah that's a way to do multiple but you can't have one character doing multiple things in in one panel unless they're the fucking flash or something like that so uh you know understanding that process and how the artist needs to work and how comics work in general you need to figure that out and that will help you level level up in totality with your skill set absolutely yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. Word, word to all of that. Um, so so that's kind of like one angle of doing it. And then the other thing that I'm going to do, you know, so so one is about reading and analyzing and the other has to be about writing and doing. And uh, and what this came from, this actually came from a conversation that I had with Mike Perkins at uh, L.A. Comic Con. And I was we were talking about the idea of warm up sketches, which, you know, and I was I was actually recounting. The stuff that you and I had talked about, you know, midway through last year when I had this thing of my idea of a warm up sketch and how I had just said, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to write a sentence or a couple sentences or a paragraph to try to get my brain working in terms of writing. It didn't work because what I tended to write as my first thing was like this overly ornate, flowery piece of shit. (laughs) <laughs> and it was me yeah. it was me trying to be Tony Morrison and I'm not fucking Tony Morrison and I shouldn't try just please stop and uh and you know if it look if you listen back to the the making comics episodes from last year you'll know that I hit this nice spot for about a month where instead of trying to be Tony Morrison I just took a note of the things that happened through the day and the kind of thoughts that went through my head and then wrote those down and those became great those were way more interesting as little ideas than trying this idea of a warm-up sentence. Well, in hindsight, while those things are cool and I should do them, they aren't warm-ups. They're happening in the course of the day. They're, they're not warming anything up because I'm awake. So something Mike talked about, and, and I'm going to be vague about it because the more vague I am, the more I think it can apply to anything um, or, you know, for, for writers out there is this idea of find something that's big that can be shared and then write a tiny little piece of that every day as part of your warmup. I think that's a cool idea and, and making it something that's not your main story not any of your, you know, your your IP, your properties, your stories, just something you can write as a warm-up, I think would be really cool. And what's fun for me is I then told him this idea. I can't remember if I've told you or not, but next time we hang out, I'll totally tell you. I had had this funky idea for like a slow burn sci-fi that I liked, and I just had this one premise. And I told that premise to Mike, and Mike was like, that would be a perfect thing for you to like warm up on and just do something about it every day. And then before you know it, hey, you might even have a story to write when, when you get there. So, 
you know, it's it's about having that framework, right? As an artist, I think warming up is substantially easier because you can look at something and, and warm up on it. You can look at something and get it in your head and then freehand draw, whatever you want to do. Writing, a little trickier, and that's why I've struggled with it. But I like this idea, and I like it as something that can warm up my brain. And I also like it as something that can help me level up because I'm doing it in a genre that's not me. I'm doing it in sci-fi. So we'll see what sci-fi looks like, and hopefully that stretches my boundaries a little bit and makes me a little better. I think I think the sports, there's this great sports adage. I actually think it's overblown and I don't think it's fair, but maybe, maybe it came from Kobe. Maybe it came from someone before Kobe. Maybe it's just commonplace for all of us. It's the idea of getting 1% better every day. You know, I, I heard uh, Tyrese Maxey of the of my beloved Philadelphia 76ers use that as an advantage. I actually think 1% is far too substantial a gain to get in any one day. But I think if you got like a quarter of a percent better in one day, that sounds about right. But the idea is there. You want to make it 1% better because it sounds cooler in conversation than 0.25% better every day. By all means, do it. But it's about those tiny little incremental gains that are going to make you better. You're not going to level up overnight. You're not going to turn into a goddamn savant overnight. This is Malcolm Gladwell's outliers. This is the 10,000 hour rule. Take that little bit every day, read, write, absorb, and then see what's going on. So that's the stuff that I'm going to give a shot to. Hopefully that's given you some ideas on your own out there if you want to level up and, uh, and we can see where we all take it from there. Yeah, I was actually thinking about it as you were talking. I'm like, well, what could he do if it's not just like you just start writing? You wake up and you start writing a sentence. Like, what what could he do? And I actually had the same thought. I was like, think of a story idea or maybe even a character. Work on a character and then put them in a situation. You know, and um, uh, shit, what is it? Stranger Than Fiction? I think it's a Will Ferrell movie. I think that's the name of the title. And it okay. was like the the author, he hears an author speaking and dictating his life. And I was like, maybe he could do something oh, like that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and I was like, mm-hmm. well, maybe he could do something like that. Like figure out a character and just dictate what this character is do- doing throughout the day. And every day yeah. he wakes up, what's that character doing today? You know, or is it a story he's continuing on from the previous day? You know, I thought that would yeah. be interesting. But hey, you were already there. You, you figured it out and you've already had a conversation about it. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And look, we'll compare notes. I mean, I, I have some stuff going on these next couple of weeks, but I also have this goddamn bottle of Buffalo Trace with your name on oh, it yeah. that I haven't given you yet. So we're definitely going to need to figure out how to make that work, um, despite what's a pretty busy travel schedule for me the next couple of weeks. But we'll get it. We'll get there. And before yeah. you know it, we'll be kicking it over beers and talking craft like we always do. Yeah, I got some books for you, too. Yes, sir. You know, I really love that idea. I think that's a great idea. You know, the whole 1% better every day. It is, that is a high level, uh, you know, of improvement. But, you know, something I talked about with Gary and his girlfriend, Mary, last year when we were at Phoenix, I think you might had already left for Mm -hmm. um, um, back to San Diego to do your second convention. Sure. And we were having dinner and we were talking and I was like, I have a real hard time with this particular pose. I think I'm going to take a couple of weeks and just work on this pose. And mm-hmm. Mary said, only a couple of weeks? Do you think you need more than that? Like, it seems like you would need more. And I think she's right. I think a couple of weeks is a little less. But there's something to, something to be said. If I took an hour every day for two mm-hmm. weeks working on that one pose, it all depends on the size of your fishbowl. If mm-hmm. your fishbowl is relatively small, it might take longer than that for that to work. Now, yeah. I remember doing it. I took about three days 
doing it. Like after we had that conversation, I worked on it for about three days. That wasn't enough. I, I did a whole bunch. I found a whole bunch of uh, variations of this pose. It's essentially the knee jetted out towards the camera, towards the viewer, like Wolverine's crouched pose. It's very difficult. Mm-hmm. It's a very difficult foreshortening to do, for me at least. And so it's something I know I need work on. So I think for me, in order to level up, I think artists in general, think of things that you are not so great at. Things that you're they're, they're, they're your weak spot, they need improvement. Do that. Take, mm-hmm. take 25, 30 minutes a day, an hour if you can invest in it, an hour a day for however long you need to to get that right. For you to be able to knock that out without reference, do that. Just keep working on it until you've figured it out. And that's that's how we can level up as artists. Like I have tons of stuff that I need to work on still. You know, there's there's some stuff that I think I do very well, but there's some stuff that I I know for a fact that are weak and need need some improvement. So it's a matter of taking that time, dedicating, you know, 30 minutes, an hour a day to that particular thing, and then you can level up your craft. Yeah. I mean, I have a specific but shorter time frame reference um, from back when I just did, you know, hundreds of rhyme songs, right? Like um, I would, I, you know, it's the old uh, uh, fucking George Lucas line that Harrison Ford said, you can write this shit, George, but you sure as hell can't say it. And, uh, and there were times where I, I would write some, some, some rap lyrics and they looked great on paper and then it would come time for me to record them. And I'm like, nope, not working, you know? And so I don't know, let's say that there's this nonsense line that I would stumble on. Like, um, let's just like devil on the level or I shovel more devils, right? Let's say that I, I tripped on that four or five times. I would get to that line and then I'd be like devil on the blip, fuck, you know? And then I'd have to hit stop. I would hit stop and I would just take five minutes, six minutes, maybe 10. And I just go devil on the level or a shovel more devils, devil on the level or a shovel more devils. I would just repeat that over and over until it was just unconscious muscle memory. And that's exactly what you're doing, right? Like you're just taking this thing again. My time scale was smaller. It was minutes because then I could go back to it. And then when it came time for that damn rhyme that I had been so clever at at writing, but took me a little more practice to do, then I could just knock it out, right? So that's what this is about. Finding those things that are the sticking points, you button them up. And I think that's a great way to level up too. You know, you you can find these spots that you stick on, work through that one thing. And now you know, I am man, I am iron ass clad on that one thing and I never have to mess with it again. Right. So, Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I I think, I think there's a lot of, look, it's something I can relate to what you just talked about. Right. And I think Mary's, uh, insight was very interesting. And, and the fact that you had, what you did was interesting, which is you were like, I think I need three days. And then you did three days and you're like, yeah, not good yet. Not good yet. Right. <laughs> so I think I need a little bit longer. And and you're going to know because you can work on it a little bit. And if I had gone back and sometimes I did this, I would think five minutes was enough or or two minutes was enough. And then I'd be my turn to hit the track again. And then I'd mess it up again. I was like, I clearly did not take enough time perfecting this thing that I was stumbling on. I got to get better at it before I can move on. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about it, too, is the more you stare at it and the more you stare at other people's version of it, you're like, is that fucking right? You know, mm-hmm. be, because you're staring at it and you're like, yes. wait, does that look right when they do it? You know, and you, yeah. you really get in your head about it. And, you know, it's like, 
Well, every time I've seen it, I've never given it a second look. I never thought it looked totally. bad. But as I'm dissecting it with my analytical brain, I don't know that it is correct. But the 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 gesture of it, the way they particularly rendered it or drew it, it, it works in the moment. Like you're just looking at the overall image like, yeah, that's fucking badass. And then yeah. when you start dissecting it, you're like, wait. How, how does that make sense? That doesn't make sense mm -hmm. necessarily. And so it's just wrapping your head around it and trying it, trying to make it make sense in your own mind. Yeah, that's yep. the difficult Absolutely. part. Absolutely. Absolutely. So anyway, look, this is a work in progress. Um, maybe we check in on how we're doing later in the year at some point, the midpoint. I don't know. Um, because again, we're we're figuring out, we're trying to figure out how to level up just like you all are. So maybe we've given you a few tips. Hopefully we have. If there are any things that, that you are interested in doing or that you want to share with us, by all means do it. We have an email. We have makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com. Scott and I are both very available on, on the social media. So hit us up let us know what what you're giving uh what you're trying in terms of leveling yourself up and uh hey if we like it then we'll share it on a future podcast there you go hey how how about some bullshit you got any you got some bullshit for the for the people yeah i'm curious i'm curious i i don't think i talked to you and gary about this have you guys watched rebel moon no okay what is it is it a star wars thing yeah it's well Star Wars adjacent thing. It was, okay. I think it's Snyder's, Snyder's pitch for a Star Wars movie or TV show oh, or some okay. shit. And they released, they created their own world basically and mm -hmm. released it on Netflix. And uh, so, yeah, it's like a rip off Star Wars movie. Okay. Uh, version <laughs> one is it, or, is eps, it, or is it, episode one, movie one, whatever. Is it good? It's, it's, it's a sci-fi movie. It's um, <laughs> it's a sci-fi movie it's made a in twenty twenty three, made in the tail end of twenty twenty three, and the next one is coming out I think in March or April of next of two thousand twenty four. So, okay. my girlfriend liked it; she mm -hmm. found it interesting. I like the first half better than the second half. I will watch the second one. Mm -hmm. Um. It, it's not it's not better than any other Star Wars movies that have come out lately. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm not sure if it's worse. I it's it's yeah. honestly it's a weird jumble of things. Sure. Um. So I'm gonna wait. If you watch that, please watch it so I can have a real conversation and you can tell me what you think because I'm curious. Like, there's a couple of scenes where I was like, oh, the main person's a bad actor. Mm. oh okay and then like okay but then they have other people that are like they're pretty good like i like them yeah. i like their character like yeah okay you know it's okay. a it's a mixed bag it's like there's a couple people chew, chewing the scenery and then there's a couple people that are just like right where they need to be and there's a couple people that are like you're i don't know that you're good at this <laughs> survey says you suck <laughs> yeah exactly okay okay no i'll i look it, my my wife loves star wars stuff uh, my mother's still in town for the next few days but I, that's a perfect thing to watch with my wife once once uh I, i'm actually kind of uh f fun fact that's kind of my adjacent bullshit i'm loading up my mother on some marvel stuff um, huh. because we are going to go to disney california adventure soon and uh, and so, like, I don't think she can hear me, but I, I just prescribed Hawkeye to her. Okay. And and what she does not know is that Rogers the musical 
is playing at Disney California. Adventure. No way. Is it really? Oh, you know that? No. Yeah, they, dude, they made like a 25 minute musical out of it. Dude. No fucking way. So, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they just, they just debuted that like two months ago or something like that. Right. So anyway, so yes, fun thing. And like, so, so she was like, why are you, why are you telling me to watch this again? And I'm like, it's just good, mom. And it is, by the way. Like, yeah. Hawkeye's great. Yeah. You know, like, like legit, just like, and sure enough, she's a couple episodes in. She's like, this is really good. I'm glad you recommended it. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of loading my mom up with uh, Marvel stuff right now so she can enjoy DCA that much more. Um, but anyway, so no, I, I think Rebel Moon sounds like a perfect thing to sit down and, and watch with my wife. That sounds great. Um, all right. So let me do, I'll do my, I have one substantial bullshit thing and then we'll see where we go from there. But uh, I want to share what was just turned out to be an amazing moment. And that was, I believe I have his first name right, because uh, he doesn't go by his first name, which is, I believe, um, so I went to see, my wife got tickets to a showing, uh, a comedy show of Gabriel Fluffy Iglesias. Oh, yeah. Who, yeah, so, so that dude can perform to stadiums. Um, but but because he's local to L.A., he actually lives in Long Beach, um, he did some shows at the Brea Improv, which is not that far. And so my wife got these cool tickets. They were actually like booth seats. Oh, nice. So you not only got them, but, you know, they threw like a deal in where it includes like $50 of booze and food. Um, so it was this late showing. You know, they, they do multiple shows in the day. This was the late show. And so this was the 9 p.m. show. And yeah, it's like, like showing nine. Up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nine. So so anyway, um, it was great. It was fun. And and here's what I thought was was super cool. There was a 6 p.m. show and a 9 p.m. show. So if there's a 6 p.m. show and a 9 p.m. show, what that probably means is that the 6 o'clock show ends around 8.15. Because then they've got to clear out stuff. They've got to, you know, give their servers a break and all that to get ready for the evening show. So you got to figure that it's about two hours and 15 minutes, right? So... You know, 9 p.m. rolls around, the opening acts come on, and then sure enough, Fluffy comes on. It's a great set. You know, like, he's he's cool. You know, like, like Fluffy is definitely, uh, I mean, he's even, um, like, Jerry Seinfeld is is 100% clean. He doesn't swear at all. Where Fluffy is very measured. You know, he's, he's about as close to a family act, a generational act, as you're going to get. And um, so, you know, 11.15 rolls around. He shows no signs of stopping. Oh. I'm going to fast, I'm going to fast forward to the end here. He got off stage at 12.45. Holy cow. And and the last hour plus of the show, dude, was nothing but him taking questions from the audience. Oh, and okay. And while this, so look, he He's may do this work. a lot. I, yeah, but but it's like it's, it was different crowd work because he's not he's not going to. Pe- I mean, look, all comedians like pick people in the crowd and they have fun, right? Yeah. And he had some fun with some people from the crowd, but this was different. This was like ask me anything, and and people were just asking him stuff, and it just kept going on. There was a period where um, I turned to to Rachel and I was like. I kind of want to go. Like I'm getting really tired. <laughs> it's like yeah. 1230. Yeah, you know, yeah. like I'm, I'm, I'm 52. I don't do 1230. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's my usual bedtime is well earlier than this. Yeah. And she's like, I know, I kind of think we should go too, but I don't want to be the only jerks that are getting up and leaving. Right. And like, strangely her saying that to me, that was all I needed because all I needed to know was that you think what I think too. But you think we should leave like, you know what I mean? Like, I just needed that like hive mind. You kind of want to leave, too, because I don't want to leave. Like when when you get a special thing like this, 
you don't leave. You know, like if you're if you're sitting at a fucking piano bar and the late great Prince walks in and it's two in the morning, you stay till he's fucking done. Right. Prince just walked in your bar. And That's he's a ghost. The moment. And he's a ghost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but you know, back in the day when he was alive, you would do this. Kind oh, of shit, right. Okay. My my oh my. Buddy I would had run this if a prince came into a piano bar, and because uh, he's a ghost, it'd be like, get me the fuck <laughs> no, no, out of no. here. Back back when prince he was alive, ghost. my my buddy, he said his brother texts him at one forty five in the morning. He said Prince just walked in and is doing a set. Set, come now. And he did. He drove down there, showed up. Prince played till fucking four, just oh, doing shit. Prince shit. Right. Like that's 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 a once in a lifetime experience. Hell right yeah. There. Like you remember you tell your grand get grandkids that shit. So I don't know how unique this is, but but I loved the vibe. And what I loved about the vibe was, number one, this was the first comedy show my mother had ever been to in her life. Oh, your mom was and with you, too. Oh, my shit. mom was with me. Yeah. How great was that? Right. So so not only does she get this rare experience on the first um, the first comedy show she's ever been to, but, you know, like. The vibe of that last hour and a half, it's seriously, Scott, it was like, and and you get this, right? Like big family. When you're part of a big family, like it felt like being part of a big family and your super successful cousin comes to the family gathering and you just sit there as family and you pepper him with questions on what fame is really like, on what having money is really like. They were these were they were like super insightful answers. He answered questions from the coolest, the coolest gift you ever got, you know, like freebie you ever got from a sponsor to what was the best advice you ever got to how how do you feel performing on a big stage versus a small stage? Like it was riveting. And and the audience ended up sort of crowdsourcing all of these great questions to ask him because I think we're all curious, right? We all Mm want to know what even that level of fame looks like. And so it was riveting. It was rare and it was special, you know, but in addition to that, he ended up offering up these really cool nuggets that I think can apply to most creators. Now, because it was a comedy club and I couldn't really take out my phone, I just have to paraphrase stuff. But suffice to say, it was a lot of the kind of stuff we talk about here on Making Comics, right? Like, you know, get, you know, find people who give you good advice, you know, use that advice, right? Make yourself better, work on the craft, Every day, think about the craft. Think about the craft every day and work on making yourself better. And if you love it, and if you love it enough, then you're not going to quit anyway, and you're going to keep on doing it. And that's the vibe I got, man. You know, like, look, you you right now can go look up Fluffy's net worth on Google. It's pretty nice, <laughs> right? But yet, here's a person, the number one, and he even said this. He said, the number one place I feel comfortable is on this stage. I feel comfortable here. I I don't want to leave, but I know we've got to let the servers go home at some point because I'm comfortable here. If you came up to me at the grocery store, I would freak out. But on this stage, I'm comfortable. And that's what's so fascinating. Like, he loves what he does, and he's just, you know, he's gotten better at his craft to the point where he has this fluid ease. He just, he can be on stage, and he can do whatever, and he's going to be funny, and he trusts himself because he's worked at his craft for so much. So... An amazing experience, and yet also chock full of some great lessons that I think all creators can uh, can sort of relate to. Dude, that's great. Yeah, I always hear about L.A. comedians doing these small shows, and you get them for a fraction of the cost. Because like you said, he plays arenas. You know, he yeah. does arenas, and like, you know, Chappelle does the same thing, and you know, like... All these guys, they go in there basically working on their new sets. It's, they mm-hmm. do smaller shows. They do these 
these do these comic con- uh, comic conventions. They do these uh, yeah. small comic shows just to tune their stuff up. You know, like mm-hmm. half of the time they're coming up with there with no notepads because they're still working through it. You know, especially if it's mm-hmm. like really new in the set. Like if they, yeah. especially if they just filmed a special. Mm-hmm. then they're starting off brand new. So everything yep. that they have, like sometimes they'll just bring the notebooks up there. It's just like, I'm working on new shit. I just recorded yep. something. All that all that stuff's gone, you know? And yep. so that's great. Joe, and, Coy, Joe Coy did exactly that in one show I went to. Same thing. He oh, was okay. like, man, I can't do all my jokes because a special just came out. If I if I say that, you're going to be like, this asshole just put this on the special. Why did it come out here? <laughs> you know, yeah. like that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. So true that. Yeah, hey, it's all good. You know, like uh, I saw Sam Muriel in La Jolla uh, down here in San Diego and he had said that he was just like hey I'm I just recorded something so I'm working on new stuff do you guys mind we're all fuck no let's you know like do it like let, let's that's hear the it best and that's the best those, yeah. those experiences are my favorites you're in the lab with them yeah know? yeah and it's, it's worse though like when there's people in the audience that are like he doesn't really care about our input he wants to see if we're gonna laugh or not and and like yeah he knows what's good or not and then like he'll tell a joke and some some goof behind me is like keep it it's good it's just like <laughs> he's not working on this with you bro like yeah, laugh exactly. laugh if you think it's funny and then he'll know it's a keeper if it if you don't laugh exactly. he knows it's not so yeah exactly anyway exactly yeah um, well, did you have anything else no man i don't want to do anything after that that was such a great story so uh, number one i'm happy for your mom number two i'm happy you guys got to experience something like that because i do hear stories of stuff along those lines not necessarily like an hour long Q and a at the end. I know Chappelle does Q and a's at the end of his stuff. Um, mm. so, but yeah, very cool. Uh, very cool. You guys yeah. got to uh, do all that and, you know, check them out. And so that's it was awesome. Great. It was great. And, I, and on that note, I'm not going to say anything else either. We're just going to go into our stuff. So you can find me on Instagram, uh, at, I forgot to rate the beers again <laughs> dot com because I forget every fucking episode. So let's rate these beers because Scott had to remind me in mid talk. So what do you give your beer friend? Uh, it's a five. It's just a normal, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a normal IPA. Like I don't really like West Coast IPAs. Uh, I, okay, mm-hmm. I'll give it a 5.5 because it was 7%. So it's a little bit higher. I'll give it a six because of the can. But, like, the interior, like, the quality, it's a West Coast IPA. Honestly, they all taste roughly about the same to me. Um, Yeah. You know, we'll we'll give it a five and a half. Let's go five and a half. Okay. Yeah, I think on that note, Radiant Beer Company, S'more Blanket, Pastry Stout. Oh, what do I give you, friend? I'm also going to give you a five and a half. Oh, okay. I I think it's fine. Now, the thing is that you'll note that I never said bourbon barrel aged stout. I am not the biggest fan of Imperial Stouts. Imperial Stouts tend to have a little bit of that coffee, perhaps smoky vibe to them. And the great thing about aging it in a bourbon barrel, that same stout, is it takes all of that smoky kind of coffiness away to it. Um, In this case, it, you know, it... It had elements of the s'mores, but they weren't strong enough for me to really enjoy. You know, contrast that to Great Notions um, Double Stack, where that's, I believe, just a, you know, a, a stout with all those things. But those things come through stronger, the maple syrup, the pancakes, etc. So, you know, I liked it. If you handed me one, I would drink it. But, you know, this can, I think, as far as stouts go, it's on the pricier side. Not super pricey, but a little mm. pricey. And so, yeah, 5.5. I mean, I, I feel pretty good. I'm, I'm sort of floating. But, uh, but yeah, I'd say 5.5. Good good and solid. But, um, but you know. Price only, point a little only, too high. 
price point a little too high and only if you're into that sort of thing. All right. So, um, so yeah, with that, you can find me on Instagram at Keith underscore invader. That is me posting when I can about the books I do about, you know, some stuff I'm reading, maybe even an occasional photo. And of course I load up my stories with all kinds of stuff about sports and what I'm reading today and all that good stuff. Um, if you are interested in my books, you can go to Keith rfoster.com and I have pages on animals which is animals get infected by a virus that makes them want to hunt people Kadoja which is giant monsters meet HP Lovecraft and three protectors which is kung fu in space I have that a store there where you can grab those books as well on keithrfoster.com so hey check those out and uh, and get yourself current on all the books because more are coming this year and you can find my stuff at accidentalaliens.com second shift minimum wage superheroes wanders the most onto anthropomorphic dinosaurs versus humans astounding adventures uh, which has granite and paradise hills inside of that those can be found at accidentalaliens.com you could find me online at scott lost s-c-o-t-t-l-o-s-t on twitter instagram and threads and facebook.com forward slash scott lost yeah hey have you given a podcast five stars today no, you say? Well, well, my friend, head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and give the Making Comics Podcast five stars because you may not know this. So I'm going to tell you, we are the trademark five-star motherfucking experience. You better ask somebody. But in the meantime, give us five stars while you're asking somebody, okay? Making Comics Podcast five stars. Hey, you've listened this far. We're like an hour some shit in. You know it's five stars. So act on that. If you've done it already, then thank you, thank you. And if you haven't done it yet, it just takes two minutes and we we love it. We love every review and we love the words even more. And you can contact us at makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com. Any questions, comments, concerns, stuff you want to talk about, stuff that you want us to talk about on an episode, let us know there. If you have something you want to advertise, you can also hit us up at makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com, and uh, we can talk to you about pricing and all that such. Hey, do you got a quote for this week or? No. Okay. Do you? The exercise of curiosity requires a risk, a sacrifice, a commitment. Megan Mc, McArdle. Okay. And I believe I got that one off of uh, the uh, Revisionist History podcast. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah I man. thought that was that's a good great. one. That's great. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's good. All right. Hey, we're here. We did it. World's best cup of coffee. Congratulations. Yeah. We will. We, all right, my friend. I will see you next week. Yeah. <laughs>